All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. And today we're actually going to do a teaching called Devolution uh, from Man to Beast. Devolution from Man to Beast. Now, why I want to go here and what gave me this particular study is because you know, lots of people talk about the fact that they believe that we are evolving. You hear this in the education system. You hear this throughout the world. You see technology growing and you see all these things taking place. But the question is, are we really evolving or are we devolving? You see, there's two different types of perspective in this world. The first perspective is, you know, that God made man, an original man in the image and likeness of God, and through man's sin and rebellion, that he turned away from the glory of God and he fell away. And when he did so, sin entered into his life. And from that point, he was only able to you know, live as a common man, but he was at this point subject to death when he was given the opportunity to live forever. Okay, that's one perspective. That's the biblical account. Then there's the other perspective where people believe that, you know, we came from some primordial slime. We came from a big bang where something was as small as the dot of the period of a page. And it spun around and spun around and spun around until it just blew up. And then we had all the solar system and everything else. Hey, Sarah. But then we had everything else you know, come to be, and man through a primordial slime, you know, washed up on the beach, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, he became this, and then a lizard, and then a monkey, and then we've got man today. Now, you see, according to men, you know, the thing is, is that uh, man came from nothing and became something, where the biblical account says that God made man in his image and likeness, and he fell away. Now, I'm not going to, you know, save this for later or try and act like I'm in the middle to deal with two different perspectives. I'm going to tell you right now what side I fall on for those who know me and for those who are listening to this message. The bottom line is, I do believe the biblical account that we were men and we became beasts, okay? And this is what you're finding today what's happening to the image and likeness of God. I believe as many scientists today believe, because this is not just an account of people that you know are religious. There are lots of scientists telling us today that they can tell just by through every generation that there are mutations that take place as far as health and sickness and everything else, that man, if you were to trace it back, came from an original good copy. And from there, he branched out into all types of sin, sickness, and disease. And the Bible tells us that these things will befall men, you know? So that's just what side of things I'm on, that although we think that we have technology and we think that we're men and we think that we're loving life and we're growing, I can see personally, as the Bible says, that we are devolving. It's going the other way around. You know, we're not becoming more human. We're not becoming more intelligent. We're becoming more animalistic, okay, and without morals. And I mean, you know, 
I mean, we are pretty much the same as beasts. It's amazing how you can believe in something like evolution and it can just change your whole world perspective. It, it can change your whole world concept. It can get you to the place of actually believing that you yourself are a beast. And that's one of the first things they teach you in the world is that you are a beast, like that you're an animal. We're humans, but we're kind of like animals too, but in a different class of animals. You know, they call us homo sapiens. Now, what is that? It's supposed to be wise man, okay? But the bottom line is, you know, we were never called humans in the Bible. We were called man, made after the image and likeness of God. So you've got to be aware of these titles they give us. You know how every um, living creature has like this scientific name and they try and call us Homo sapiens sapien and the future will be Homo erectus and Homo, you know, uh, this or that, you know, man 2.0 and all this. But the, the fact of the matter is without the aid of implantable technologies, we are devolving, we are not growing. And you're going to find this in many different perspectives that I'm going to talk about. And we're going to show that when you see movies like Planet of the Apes, that's the devil mocking you and letting you know that you are pretty much becoming like the apes. It's supposed to be the apes going after humans and they were supposed to take over Earth and dominate. Well, that's the devil mocking you through his own TV and videos just to show you that you know he his spirit is taking over the world we're becoming more animalistic and we are dominating a society and attempting to enslave those that don't follow that beastly nature or beastly perspective so i want to get started let's go to psalm 49 because we don't have much to lose i have a couple of good articles you guys will want to hear that i'm going to read into that's going to uh examine and and, and really get us to look at do we really think that we're evolving or that we're devolving, okay? So let's get started in Psalm 49, and then from there we'll go into prayer and get this lesson started. But this is Psalm 49, and let's look at verse one. It says to the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah, hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, uh, together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. And you know, that's something that the enemy tries to take from you and I today is understanding. The enemy tries to give you and I a different perspective that we can see life in a, di a slightly different way than the way that God tells us to, but he wants his heart to understand. Look at verse four, I will incline my ear to a parable I will open my dark sayings upon the heart. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall come pass about me? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem him, brother, nor give, uh, nor give to God a ransom for him. So what we see here and what he's trying to say is that for those who are rich and trust in their wealth, that they can't redeem their brother because they don't have the life of Christ, nor can they pay ransom for themselves, okay? Because, you know, like the Bible tells us that 
what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know, but anyway, it looks at verse seven and it says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. So you see, there is no price for eternal life like the one, like the life that God is promising you and I. There's nothing that you can give in exchange for your soul. But you see, when everybody equates being human or being evolved to those who are rich, you'll find out that it's the rich in this world that are enslaving people. And when you hear of some of the practices and the things that they do and how they really have no regard for human life whatsoever or the life of men, you know, then you really do have an understanding that we are really ruled by beasts. Like there are beasts in the world that come up with beast laws and beast natures. Like when you look at the fact that this whole abortion thing, you know, nine months now in New York City, nine months a baby can be, um, you know, in the womb and you can then decide to abort them. How animalistic. This is not even something that animals would do for their young unless, you know, they find that their litter is sick, then they kill them. But, you know, men are truly becoming beasts today because they have lost the ability to love. And what's the cause of that? It's self-love. It is self-desire. Only beasts think that way. If you ever notice, you see a pack of dogs eat, they may all rush some food and go and get it. And what will, what will they do? Rip a piece off and then go run somewhere so they don't have to share. So they live in the law of the jungle. They live in gaining pieces for themselves and not you know, trying to give to the whole. So you see, that's a very animalistic nature that is not of God. So anyway, he says that uh, he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die. Likewise, the fool of the brutish Persian perish and leave their wealth to others. So if we're really trusted in riches and we're trusted in what the things we can have in this life to give us some type of social status or like that we're important people in the world, he says that the wise men die. And he says the fool will also die, the brutish person. And it says, and they're going to end up leaving their wealth to others. So, you know, <laughs> these riches can't be taken beyond the grave, all right? So they really are valueless on the other side of things. So anyway, look at verse 11. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. And this is what you find. God might have named some lands in the named some lands in the world, and men are giving them their own names. They really think that their houses are going to continue forever. All these people who are against Jesus Christ that are creating these laws like abortion and, and gay marriage and all these different things going on, they really do think that they're going to continue on and on forever, not realizing that they're going to have to meet their creator one day and they're going to have to pay for all the things that they've done to go against God's word. But you know, it's just really interesting how these people have no fear. They really do believe deep down that what they're doing, they're not going to have to pay for. And he calls that a brutish person, like a brute, like a barbarian, like a caveman, someone with no real understanding as to 
who his God is and what God wants. So anyway, it says, look at verse 12. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perish. So you see, most animals act on instinct. You give a dog food, he's going to eat it. You know, you, you, um, you know, you can have uh, two dogs that you meant to be together that you can raise. And when you open the gate, your dog may run off and have sex with the dog across the, um, across the yard in someone else's house. Now, do you look at your dog and say, you know, I mean, with the exception of knowing that he's going to have pups now that you may have to take care of. But outside of that, would you look at your dog and say, you know, you should be married? That dog is going to look at you like you're stupid and say, hey, it was available, so I took it. So as you can see, animals have no real restraint. They run, they sleep, they eat, they fight, they act on instinct. They do the things that they want to do that is in their very nature. And it's unfortunate that you see this with men today, that they live according to their own nature, not the nature of God. They're following the nature of the beast. Okay, so it says that nevertheless, look at verse 12 again, being in honor abideth not. The man that is in honor that doesn't abide in God, he is like the beast that perish because beasts don't think about what they're going to do when they're here. Beasts live, they, they grab, they do whatever they want, enjoy where they want, go where they want. They're lawless pretty much. But when they die, they don't think of eternity. They don't think of heaven. They live until they die. And this is how a lot of people are today. When you come to them and try and present the gospel and tell them things, they'll tell you, well, we all got to die sometime. Hey, man, you shouldn't be drinking. You know, you shouldn't be smoking. You shouldn't be doing drugs or whatever. Hey, you can catch a disease from out there having sex and, you know, unprotected and not married and going from partner to partner. And they'll tell you, we all got to go sometime. I got to enjoy my life. So as you see, that's a beast-like nature, but it wasn't always there. Wait till you guys see when I read some of these articles to you that you're going to really have an understanding that man is devolving. He's not evolving. We're going to even talk about technology. We're going to talk about everything so that people can get an understanding. Verse 13 says, this their way is their folly yet their posterity approve their saying, say love. So, you know, this is great folly of men to live life careless and lawless outside of what God wants because their, their posterity approve their sayings. Why? The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Look at verse 14. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. And that's why we got to understand about death. Death is the great equalizer. No matter what you've done when you were here, while you were living, we all are subject to death. And I'll tell you what, we are ignorant of that side of things outside of the word of God. Because you see, everybody lives their life. Remember Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16? The rich man fared sumptuously every day, was decked in nice robes and living his life. And, you know, all Lazarus the beggar did was want to eat crumbs from the man's table. 
The guy had sores all over him and was all messed up. But then the Bible makes clear, now in hell, now you see that Lazarus is somewhere comforted and the rich man is tormented. And the rich man said, you know, um, Lord, you know, deliver me, you know, or, or ask Lazarus that he may dip the finger of his, um, his finger in uh, water and cool his tongue. But the Lord said, remember, in this life, you received good things and Lazarus evil things. But you see, beyond the grave, there are no unbelievers. Scientists and all these other fake people out there can tell you whatever they want to tell you. But on the other side of things, everybody knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody knows that they're going to have to see him and that they are going to have to deal with him. So we better get it right while we still can and have some understanding that, you know, we're all going to the grave. But who's going to be resurrected at the end of time is what's most important. Because what we must understand is for those who are resurrected, they say that Christians sleep. Christians don't die. We sleep for a, for a limited time until God lifts us up to eternity. Before the unbeliever, man, um, just imagine people telling you for the longest, give your life to Christ, spend time with Jesus, desire Jesus. You know, don't, don't be a partaker of sin. Let him free you from it. And he sent thousands of people to come to you and preach the gospel, and you just blew them off. Now, at the end of your life, you're about to slip into eternity, and everything gets foggy and cloudy, and now you're there standing before your creator. And as you can see, to the left of you, hell is real, and to the right of you, you'll see that heaven is real. Now, what are you going to say to God? Do you know how upset you're going to be with yourself that you didn't just take the chance and possibly listen. Maybe the Christians are right. Because if you look at their account, it's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that promises eternal life. It's the only thing that tells us what we need to do while we're here so that we can get it right with God. You know, it, it makes no sense that we are a perfect design, you know, made, I mean, five fingers, I mean, you know, 10 fingers and 32 teeth and 12, 20, 12 ribs on each side. And I mean, it just makes so much sense when you look at the four chambers of the heart that we are intelligently designed. So obviously there's a creator, but you see, if you wanna forsake this and go on and be lawless, then it's only you that's gonna have someone because we're going to the grave, but it's you who's gonna have to face God for this. So, you know, I'm hoping even if there are atheists out there and there are people that, you know, believe what they believe. I hope that they tune into this lesson because they're going to get a lot. How can you look at the Bible, at the word of God and see anything wrong with it? They try and pull up in Exodus 21 about slavery, totally misunderstanding what the gospel says, totally misunderstanding that what Jesus Christ or what God was talking about in that time was like living butlers and maids, the people that paid off debts. What was he teaching them responsibility? What was he doing laying down the law to a lawless people that they may have an understand depending on the crimes that they commit, that they would be punished according to those things. But people want to take things and put their own spin on it, you know, and, and try and bash the Bible. But really, when you look at the Bible and then the finished work of Jesus Christ, what did he say that was so wrong? Did he tell you that, uh, what, sleeping with somebody's wife or husband, that's wrong? If he says that's wrong, how can you find that to be right? 
How can you justify that with your own wisdom and knowledge when God is nothing but fair? You know, so that's what we're going to be covering tonight. We're going to talk a lot about how we're not evolving. And I've got plenty of examples examples of devolving because we were original good copies. Look at how, how strong our family members were. You know, how strong your dad was in comparison to your brother that, that has to lift weights to try and have that kind of strength. You see how men went to work every day, didn't complain, were responsible, wanted to marry wives, stayed married, wanted to do things like that. And you see today's man, he's just a girly man. He's just a man that, you know, I'm too weak or my head hurts or it's my wife's fault, it's not mine. You know, I don't wanna do anything. I don't wanna be responsible. You know, I want all that I can get outside of being married and committed and being accountable to one person. You see, everybody's got their ideas, but how can the biblical account be wrong when it elevates us to the place of being the children of the highest, the children of God? You know, real men and women, morals, you know, not lying, not just being who you are and letting God develop you and have you grow in his spirit. How can the biblical account be wrong when all God is teaching us is nobility? He's teaching us as savages that like to eat outside, come and sit at my table. And by the way, here's a fork and there's a napkin. And we say grace around this place because we wanna be thankful to our creator that we know who exists, that we ought to be like him. How can we be wrong? You know, everyone else is savage to the place of not even understanding what this is about. But God gives us the true account that we may have real understanding as to what we are doing when we're here and how we're supposed to be. Praise the Lord. So he says in verse 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me, Selah. But not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. So you see, a rich man only considers himself powerful in this world. But you see, when he dies, none of those riches are going with him. That's why death is the great equalizer. And we better figure out what we're doing while we're here. Because you know, you're, you don't start evolving until you find Jesus Christ. Other than that, man, you are dead on arrival. You are corrupting slowly and getting older in this body and going through all sorts of, you know, thorns and thistles and things that are breaking us down, okay? And when we find Christ, we get reset to zero and then we become born again. That's when you start evolving. Because you see, before you're born again, nobody sees a man with the spirit. But when you find out about the spirit and how God can make you whole and make you wise and make you prosperous and healthy, then God can also give you his spirit that you'll have those nine fruit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. Then you get the nine gifts of the fruit that, that manifest, that you can actually work the works of Christ. Man, that's what this is about. This is the best deal going on, how God returns a man 
back to his normal form, which is Christ in you. That's what we were meant to do with our mouths, our eyes, our ears, and the way that we walk and the way that we live. We were meant to glorify God and God alone. So anyway, he says, verse 18, though while he lived, he blessed his soul and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. So God is telling people, hey, you better wise up and understand who God is and figure out what he wants for you in your life and serve him because you're gonna go to the, to the generation of your fathers and you're gonna join them in that dark pit, which is called hell. They will never see light again, but the Christian will because we will be raised on that last day. Look at verse 20. He says, man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beast that perish. So when he's talking about honor, he's not talking about God's honor. He's talking about, you know, being honored in the world, someone that is considered of high esteem or, you know, full of riches. He says, man, when that man doesn't understand and understands not, he is like the beast that perish. You live, you eat, you drink, you get old and you die. That's not the end of a life for someone who wants to pursue Christ. We will be evolving and going on with Christ, but the devolution or that devolving occurs with sinners and those of the unrighteous. And now that sinners are ruling, that are ruling this world, you're gonna see what they're all about. So let's pray real quick. Let's get right into this. And when we do, we're gonna pick it up in Genesis 1. And I believe this is gonna be a very good study because I believe the Lord wants to expose so much of what the devil's doing today, what the world is becoming, and what we will become if we don't have the mind of Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. And we ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time with my brothers and sisters that you've given us to be partakers of your word, to yet again have an understanding as to who you are, that we all might be edified, that we may be formed in the image of Christ. And we pray that no man's heart be heard tonight, Lord. We pray that no flesh be glorified, but by your spirit, which is the Holy Spirit of God, we pray, Lord, that you send your spirit to us, that you teach us your word, and that we won't utter things that don't come from you. And we pray, Lord, that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear and the hearts of those who can't understand that, Lord, when you made us, you made us in your image and likeness. And what the devil is trying to do through his devolving is trying to destroy the image of God. So we just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you bind that spirit, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, contention, or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We pray in Jesus' name that you bind the devil and keep him at bay. And let all these things, Lord, be done, for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
All right, so let's dive right in. I want to go to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, let's go there, guys. And I've got some really interesting articles, so I hope you guys stick around and actually uh, listen to some of this, you know, because it's going to be beneficial to us when we have an understanding of who God is and what God wants. So let's pick it up in verse 24. This is Genesis 1, and let's look at verse 24, and it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. So when God created the beast or the animals, what did he do? He created everything after their kinds. You can look at the biological um, or the G, the, the biological, um, uh, what do you call it, records today, and you can look at the animals and tell that all animals bring forth after their kind. Okay, canines or wolves and dogs bring forth wolves and dogs. Felines bring forth cats and, you know, big cats or little cats, whatever, whatever. They're all the same kind. Okay, so I'm just making that point. So anyway, it says, um, let's see, and God saw that it was good. This is verse 26. And then it says, um, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So if you and I were to stop right here and just examine this and just look at it. Okay, is this not come to pass? Does not man have dominion over the earth? Doesn't this sound exactly like what God said it would be? That man would have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Who is the apex predator in this world? Who is he who dominates the world? It's man, okay? So we know that God gave man that dominion and some of that dominion is still today. Maybe not in the way that God first formed it, but you can still see that the biblical account even matches today. Dogs will obey you by nature when you bring them in the house and you show them who is boss. Who gave us this? Almighty God, all right? So let's look at verse 27. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So as you can see, now we know that the image of God was the image of a man, okay? So now you guys will have an understanding, and I know some people won't like what I'm about to say, but that's okay because I don't intend to hold a thing back tonight. But let us have an understanding of that if man is made in God's image, then you got to ask yourself why the devil pro, uh, preaches evolution and lies. Why does he tell you that you're an animal? Why does he believe in self-mutilation today and tattooing and, and homosexuality and, you know, men with men and women with women? Okay, why are we becoming so beast-like today? And why is that being taught and promoted of government? Why is abortion so strong that you can even kill a baby now that is nine months in the womb? Because the devil hates the image and likeness of God. When the devil looks at us, 
we remind him of God and he wants to destroy that image. He wants men to be women. He wants women to be men because he knows that's not the creation that God made. And he wants to destroy us and keep us from the potential of having God's spirit because God is only going to flow through that which he made. So if the devil can offset our minds to get us to the place of being genderless and destroying this generation, okay, and the generation before it and the one to come, then the devil will succeed in destroying the image of God. And that's what this whole thing is about. This has got nothing to do with these lies that they promote in science. It's got nothing to do with equality for your brother. This is more to do with the destruction of the image and likeness of God that the devil does not want to, to live in this world. And that's why he struggles so hard to destroy families. That's why he tells you you don't have to be married. That's why he tells you that abortion is okay. He would love to kill God's image. That's why he tells you that it's okay for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. That's what this whole thing is about. This whole thing is about the destruction of the image of God. So we're gonna go through all this devolution and everything that's going on, but look at the commandment. So it says, so he created man in his own image and the image of God created he man. Male and female created he them and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every creeping thing that moveth upon the earth. So as you can see, God told them to be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. What are, the, what are those who are evil today and in the world telling you, oh, well, the population's too high. We don't have enough food. Isn't it funny how food just keeps coming in? You know, isn't it funny how you got fast food places everywhere? They've got a seed vault over in Norway somewhere where they're stocking seeds. They can fill supermarkets with food up to the brim, but yet we got to depopulate. That's the devil's plan. God's plan is to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So as you can see, God's perspective is to grow. Satan's perspective is to destroy, all right? So let's look at this. Look at verse 29. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, uh, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in it, which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for me. So God wasn't even at this point in killing animals. We were supposed to have at that time when we were sinless, we were supposed to have a natural diet of fruits, vegetables, and, you know, things like that, vegetarian life. You know, and, and it's so funny how the seeds of many of these fruit today, like apricot, if you want to eat them, that they are actually um, anti-cancerous. So they'll actually destroy cancer cells and things that can be in your body just to eat the apricot. Why? I mean, the seed, because it's got cyanide. See, God made all this stuff and man hates this. But anyway, he says in verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, that he had made, and behold, it was very good. 
and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So let's go to Genesis chapter three. Let's break this down real quick. And then from there, we're gonna get into, I've got to uh, show you guys this article just to show you how important it is that we have God. And when God is taken off the scene, when the image of God is not following the spirit of God, you're gonna find devolution. And that's what this whole world is, turning men into beasts. Because Satan himself is a beast. That's something we gotta recognize. Genesis three, let's look at verse one. And guys, have your Bibles out in front so you can see this. I don't want to, I don't want to entertain. I want you guys to have some understanding so that you can also learn this and teach this. Genesis 3, let's look at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. So God told them in the garden, there was the tree of life and there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They could have eaten from the tree of life, which I believe was Jesus Christ. And they could have eaten from any tree out there in the garden. But what did they want to do? You know, let's let's read. But you see, they could have had any tree, just not that one. So it says, for God doth know, well, no, this is verse four. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So it sounds like the devil offered them something really nice, like, man, you get to be like God. But see, they, the devil wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. He wasn't saying that they would be like the God. He said that they would be as gods, meaning that they would be lawless. They would be their own, and then they would know good and evil. And what would good and evil be to them? What they determined to be good and evil. You see where this is going? This is what he promised you. You know, you would be as gods, knowing good and evil. So you choose what is good and what is evil. That's what he offered them. Look at verse six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, okay, that's the lust of the eyes, and that it was pleasant, oh, oh tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, that's the um, lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Okay, so they had partaken of the nature of the serpent, the serpent himself being a beast. It makes clear right in the beginning, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. So if you eat of the fruit of a beast, you have his understanding, okay? You are a partaker in the works of the flesh because they're not obeying the spirit of God. So now man has become a new creation because he has not followed God. He is now like the beast whose words he listened to and whose advice that he had taken. So anyway, he says, look at verse seven, and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. 
and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So any other time when God would come, they were made in the image of likeness of God, they were compatible with God. But now that they have uh, partaken of the nature of the beast, they're now lawless and they're hiding themselves from God. Look at the devolution. Look at how they went from being with the creator to now hiding from God's goodness. But this is what you see with sinners today. Sinners don't want to hear any gospel. You talk to them about the gospel. You see how they blow you off or they get mad or they walk away or they get uncomfortable. The reason is, is because that's the nature of the beast. Okay. So anyway, look at verse eight. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So now Adam, instead of being the man of God that was given dominion over all the earth, he's now hiding from God and hiding from responsibility because he doesn't want to serve God. He's not compatible anymore. He's a beast. Look at uh, verse 11. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So he naturally handed over his authority to his wife. He's not the man that God made him. He's now blaming his wife for what responsibility God gave him. You see how fallen man is today? Man might have done this from the beginning, you know, after the fall, but you see how men are becoming more and more lawless. They don't want to be a husband. They don't want to be a father. They don't even want responsibility. They want all the pleasures of marriage, but don't want to be married. So you guys can draw your own conclusion on what that means. But anyway, he says in verse 13, and the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent tricked me, he beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of my all the days of thy life. So, you know, he dealt with the serpent, he judged the serpent. Verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So was God necessarily talking about Eve or Adam's seed here? No. Was he talking about the serpent seed in this part? Absolutely. Let me explain. Our God sits outside of time. So God can tell who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. God knows that there are some who will hear the gospel, believe on Jesus Christ and be born again. And then he knows that there's another group that will not obey God because they are the children of the serpent. Every sinner that has not given his life over to Christ is the child of the serpent. This is where we all were before becoming born again and being introduced to Christ. So you see, this is the demon seed or the, the, the beast seed as we know it. This is where the devolution or devolving began, okay? 
It went from a perfect original copy and now it's breaking down. Now let's see what God does to this. So there would be war between these two seeds. Look at 16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. So some people believe that man and woman, they were you know, equal in this sense before this point, but when they fell, that God had to put the man as the head. The man was always the head in God's divine order. Eve was made to be his helpmate. She was his partner. She was there to help him in the cause that God had given him. Now that they're falling, you may as well say, I don't want to use the word, they're not housebroken, but they're lawless. So what is God doing now? Laying down the law to the beast. Now he's got to tell the woman who was made for the woman, that was the glory of the man. She's now got to be told, now you have to have your desire unto your husband and he will rule over thee. Why? Because they're lawless. So understand this, guys. Look at verse 17. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake and sorrow shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So now the ground is cursed, which man came from the dust. Now you've got, you know, they've got a sinful life right now. The man was hearkening unto his wife and he ate. You know, this would be equivalent to having a dog and to tell the dog, all right, here's a steak. It's nice and juicy, but I'm gonna go off to work and you don't eat this, you save it for dinner time. What's the dog, what's the beast gonna do? He's gonna give in to his impulses and he's going to eat it. It's just like an unsaved person that is around his particular sin that he enjoys. He's gonna go and do it because he refuses to be governed by God, okay? Look at verse 18, look at more of the devolution. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So thorns and thistles, man would be full of sin, full of sickness, full of disease. There would be plenty of obstacles in his way that where he should have been to the place of a perfect copy that God made, he's now got to struggle through life. He's got to work for a living when the garden was actually taking care of him because he had dominion over these things. Okay, verse 19 says, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So let's look at this. This is God's account of our devolving, not obeying God. Now, can we honestly say that this is happening today? Absolutely. Some people don't even believe we're made from the dust of the ground, but then the question would be, why when we die, do we turn to dust? Isn't it funny? Look at what God told fallen man his fate would be in 19. In the sweat of his face shall he eat bread. He's got to work for a living. Then it says, till thou return unto the ground. That's what we do when we're unsaved. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return, or shalt thou return. So as we understand, this is what man has been living in. This is where his life is. And now he needs Jesus Christ 
to be able to evolve, or I would say, you can mention evolve, but it's going back to the status of where God had man and man fell from, okay? But I'm not gonna say evolve. I mean, we're just getting back to the place of knowing our creator, getting full of his spirit and not being lawless, but being governed and glorifying the spirit of God, okay? So let's go to, um, let's go to John chapter three. And after John chapter three, I promise guys, I'm gonna get into this article because you guys are gonna actually find this very, very, very interesting. So let's just skim over John three real quick, okay? This is verse one. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, but no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So one thing we understand about Jesus, Jesus is one, he's God, he's God the son, but he's also the image of God that God wanted him to be. He was full of the fruits, he's full of the spirit, he's performing miracles, things are being done. And I, I guarantee you when Adam was full of the spirit, God was gonna teach Adam to be the same way. God gave Adam everything he needed to live life. He gave him his spirit and made Adam in his image and likeness. But what did Adam do? He fell away. So what we find here with uh, Jesus, Jesus who had no earthly father, he couldn't have an earthly father because his DNA, okay, would have also been corrupt and he would have had the nature of Adam. So he had to be brought from heaven, from the father and born of a virgin that he would come forth, not sharing any of what Adam was about because Adam is a devolving broken up creature, but Jesus, okay, was the rejuvenation or the regening of man. That's why they call him the second Adam. So it says, look at verse three, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So as you can see, Adam was the son of God. Adam fell away. Jesus is making clear, unless you be born again, you can't see the kingdom. Why? Because you're full of sin, full of corruption, full of the nature of the beast, which was Satan that, that taught Adam and Eve to fall. So we need to be regened and regenerated to the place of being born again, that we can live out our second life being full of Christ. So he says, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So man has got to be redeemed to the place of being of the spirit of God. And he can't have any of the nature of the beast or the nature of Adam that he had before. So a man has to go down in water, be baptized, repent of his sins, and then God will give you his spirit so that you can live like Christ, be empowered to do the things of Christ, that you can inherit eternal life. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That was Adam, that's where it began, and that's where it ended. That which is born of flesh is flesh, 
and that which is born of spirit is spirit. We're gonna find out how important that is when we go further into this. So you've got to be born again. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell when it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So you remember back in Psalm 49, it's mentioned that men would fall away or when men die, those who considered themselves rich and powerful, when they died, that they would go into the grave and never see light again. Jesus says, whosoever believeth in Jesus should not perish, but have eternal life. So death does not reign over a Christian. So we go from the place of devolution to the place of evolving, being the original good copy that God made, okay? So anyway, he says in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you see the goodness of God. He could have destroyed Adam and Eve right there on the spot. But as he said, he would put enmity between thee and the serpent, between the woman's seed and the serpent seed, that there would be war. But God was thinking about that seed of the woman, that seed that would be born again and believe on Jesus Christ. So thank God for Jesus, because we were all going from zero when we're born, going on to negative one, negative 10, negative 95, negative 2000, okay? And, and, and just going, you know, going on and on. When you and I become born again, when we begin to believe on Jesus Christ, then we've got to go back up that number line of integers to the place of the positives. God's got to clean out our lives, reset us to zero, fill us with his spirit, or the spirit can actually be in you while you're in the negatives, but he's gonna clean out all the negative, all the behaviors, all the things that are against God and reset you to zero and then push you on through the positives all the way to eternity. That's the goodness of God. And all we've got to do is believe on Jesus and do what he tells us to do and get full of his spirit that we can be the new man, the new creator, that which is evolving, that's that's glorifying God unto the status of a son of God and doing away with that old rotten nature, lawless nature of Adam that is not of Christ. So anyway, he says in verse uh, 17, but God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. So when you believe on Jesus Christ, 
you're already going back up. You're, you're not devolving anymore. You're going back up to the place of a child of God. And then he says, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So let's look at that. You're condemned already. You're already down the number line as an unbeliever from the moment you're born, you and I have adopted a, a sin nature. So we're already down the number line. You're already condemned. What we've got to do is get on that train, which is Jesus Christ that is headed towards eternity, getting full of his spirit and being the image that God made us to be. So he says, uh, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You know, why did Adam disobey God? Because he was evil, okay? The very fact that he had partaken in the nature of, of the serpent, he obeyed the beast and his wife obeyed the beast. Then he became a beast, not compatible with God. And then he began to hide from God. Guys, I promise you, we're, we're into the devolution. We're gonna go further into this, but I wanna make some points. So anyway, he says in verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. So you see, some people want to keep the nature of a beast. They don't wanna change. It's just like your dog, even though he might be all cute and cuddly and likes to play, but a dog will go out playing mud and not even wanna be washed, not even wanna be bathed. He'll run and jump right back on your couch from the outside because that is his nature. So as you can see, animals don't like to be clean and do certain things, but you find a lot of men don't like to do this either. Okay, so that's the whole point. Man without God is a beast. All right, now let's go. I wanna read this to you guys. I wanna read this article. All we've got to do is believe on the name of Jesus. Okay, so this is called, this is an article. Hey, Brother Jake, I actually was waiting for this since I saw it yesterday. Praise the Lord, bro. All right, so this is um, the effects of removing prayer and the Bible from the schools in 1962. You guys read that, I mean, listen to this. The article published in the Examiner in September of this year, and this is back in 2013, guys. So it says, uh, discusses the effects that removing God from schools has had on America. The evidence is overwhelming and the solution is clear. God, the Bible and prayer. Remembering the quote from Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. It is not biblical, but it is sure display, but is a sure display of the lack of wisdom of doing things that seem to make sense and not changing when the results are consistently bad. Persisting in behavior when all the facts show that you are wrong is the definition of irrationality. That means that's not thinking logically. So it says, has anyone bothered to take inventory of removing prayer and the Bible as a standard for morality? Uh, someone eloquently said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will become the philosophy of government in the next. Now, this is true. 
If you get everybody to not believe on Jesus Christ or want to serve him, then as that generation grows up, that's going to be the government. Those are going to be the people in society that are running things. Okay, so anyway, he says it is beyond a coincidence that every social indicator took a nosedive once prayer and the Bible were removed from our standard. Add in the fact that relativism was added and the gray area of no absolute right or wrong became individual standards of uh, vacillation. And then it says, and it should not surprise anyone of the following results. Now you guys look at this, criminal arrest of teens up to 150%, according to the US Bureau of Census. Teen suicides in ages 15 through 19 years up, 450%. Then it says, according to the National Center of Health Services, illegal drug activity is up 6,000%, according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Child abuse cases up to 2,300%, 2,300%, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Divorces up 350% according to the U.S. Department of Commerce and SAT scores fell 10% even though the SAT questions have been revamped to be easier to answer. So you guys can see the, the devolving here, how the society has changed. And I'm gonna get into what this technology is about too. Look at this, violent crime has risen 350%. National morality figures have plummeted and teen pregnancy escalated dramatically after prayer and the Bible were removed from the schools. So you see, this is what this whole thing is about, that if you start to teach man that he is a beast and he's got no creator and he just simply is, then this is what man is going to be. This is what's going to happen with society. It says one of the most damning statistics is the follow sex education in the schools. As the school's involvement in sex education increased from grade level to grade level, promiscuity followed and the increase of premarital sex increased without any firm foundation to discourage sexual uh, experimentation, unplanned pregnancies exploded. When right or wrong becomes relative to the individual, a natural consequence is to self-approve immoral behavior. Now this is so true because if you look at this guys, it even says, in the Bible, in Judges chapter uh, 17 and Judges chapter 19, it makes clear that when the judges, when there were no more judges in the land to judge Israel, that every man did what was right in his own sight. That's why the Bible tells us there are ways that seem harmless to a man, but in the end are the ways of death, okay? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when you trust in yourself, like Adam and Eve trusted in themselves, and when you've got relativism pushed through society, then you've got the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Might is right. What I say is right is right, and what I say is wrong is wrong. You guys are seeing this today. I saw a video by this woman 
I'm hoping to get in touch with because I love the things that she presents. She lays it all on the line, but her show is called, um, a YouTube channel is Extreme Reality Check, I believe it's called, but I love to hear her speak because she lays it all out. But if you look at this whole situation, you know, it's like when people commit abortions and when they believe that homosexual behavior is okay, it's because we're being conditioned and taught these things, okay? But when you have no moral outrage with God, then everyone begins to do what is right in their own sight. And this is what you find. You don't just find homosexuality running everywhere and people doing what they want now, but now you've got the pedophile coming out and saying, well, you know, um, she might be 12, but you know, I love her. And what's wrong with my love? You guys said to preach love, right? And you know, everyone can do what is right in their eyes. You guys told me my truth is my truth, not the truth of the Bible. I can choose my own way. So now I want this 12-year-old girl. What? What? I'm showing love just like you. You said it's okay for a man and a man to be together and a woman and a woman. Well, I want this 12-year-old kid. You know, bestiality. Oh, I, I don't mind having sex with my dog. Everything is okay. Now, now, where do you go with that? Everything becomes relative. No one has a leg to stand on because all have forsaken the world, the, the uh, word of God. And when you forsake God's word and the way to live, that is our daily bread. That is our sustenance. Those are the words of Jesus Christ that we are meant to be the image of God. When we forsake that, what do we become? We're beasts. I'll choose what's right in my eyes. Outside of God's will, you look what's happening to society. You guys can believe whatever you want to believe concerning you thinking that we're evolving and living our lives, but the proof is in the pudding. Is society better today or is it more lawless and wild? Do people look more human, as you guys would say today, or do they look more beast-like? You know, you can't even tell if it's a man or a woman coming down the street today. You see what's going on? The devil wants to destroy God's image. That's what this whole thing is about. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 3. And I've got more articles, guys, but I want to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we'll get right back on this article, guys. But I just want to make this point. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Ecclesiastes 3. And I want to look at verse, um, let's see, verse 12. Okay, Ecclesiastes 3 and 12, he says, I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor, it is a gift of God. So God has allowed us to have children, He's allowed us to eat food and do different things and live life. But look at what he says, verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. So you see with God's word, you can't add to it and you can't take away from it. God's word is complete, perfect in everything we need. 
As David says, the law of the Lord is right. The ways of the Lord are perfect. If we don't give our lives to Christ, we're gonna miss out on so much concerning this. But anyway, he says in verse 15, that uh, that which uh, that which have been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth it that which that which is past. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. So you know Solomon is seeing a mixed up world here. He's seeing in the judgment that there's wickedness there. And in the place of righteousness, there's iniquity there. Look at verse 17. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time. There, therefore, of um, every purpose and for every work. So God's going to judge the wicked, whether they're, you know, and the righteous. He's going to judge both. They're both going to have to answer to him for every purpose and every work. Look at verse 18. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men. So who is he talking about? Humans. He's talking about man. He's talking about the image of God. Okay. He says, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. And you know, that's what God does. When God brings us the gospel, and he tells us the truth of the Holy Ghost and the things that we need to see. God shows us that we are beasts. Why? Because we can be ashamed of our sin and we can now accept Jesus Christ. He can break the bands of sin off of us that it won't remain in us, that we can glorify God with these vessels, okay? So he wants them to be made manifest that these people are beasts. The sons of men are beasts. But when they become the sons of God, it's when they're born again and serving God. By the way, this is not the Benai Elohim speaking of the angels and stuff, okay? This is a different text that it's making sense. Look at verse 19. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beast. Even one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man have no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. That's why we started in Psalm 49, where it mentions those who trust in their riches or trust in their ways, that they will die like beasts. He's making clear here, those who don't have Christ will be as beasts, okay? And he wanted to make clear to them that what befalleth beasts will befall men. Men without God do exactly what bees do. What do they do? They grow up, they live, they're lawless, they fornicate, they, they you know, do all these different things, they eat and they die. And that becomes the fate of man, just like a beast. But he says that if we live this way, it would show that we have no preeminence. We're not above beasts, we become like them. This is the message of the serpent that he sent to Adam and Eve to get them to become beasts, okay? So anyway, he says all is vanity, all is like a breath. You can't take anything in this life beyond the grave. He says all go unto one place, all are of the dust and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward 
and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. God knows the enmity between the woman seed and the serpent seed, that those who are of God, that have that light body, that spirit, that life of Christ that is in them, they go upward unto eternity. They live lives in accordance to the word of God that they begin to drift and become full of Christ all, all the way to eternity. But then you find that with the nature of the beast, he's lowly and dirty and nasty and lawless. So he's going downward. So the spirit of the son of God goes up. The spirit of a beast goes down. That's why the devil wants to degrade you, destroy the family, destroy the image of God so that you may not know the truth and seek death in eternity and not life. So verse, um, let's see, verse 21, who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works for uh, that is his portion, for who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? And that's what man's better understand is without God, all is vanity. That's what Solomon was talking about. And that's what he wanted us to recognize. All is vanity aside from God. It's just a vapor, just a breath, just a moment in time. We better find out what God wants from us here, how we can get full and how we can serve Christ and move forward with Christ unto eternity. You don't want to miss this, guys, because this is what God wants you and I to be. Let's go to Romans chapter one. And I want to read this real quick. You guys wait right there. Romans chapter one. All right. So he says here, this is back to that article about moving praying God out of schools. He says, it does not occur to these geniuses that their approach could be an error. As these psycho babblers push sexual education into high schools down the grades 12, 11, 10, and 9, uh, then, they should, then they push their agenda into middle school grades 8, 7, and 6, down through elementary school. And illicit sexual activity followed the same path. Now these gurus want to implement sexual education uh, down to uh, second grade, first grade, and even kindergarten. The guy said, brilliant, like in quotations, knowledge without wisdom is a dangerous thing. And the Bible warns that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Our education system teaches our kids how to put a condom on, on a banana, but fail to give the students reasons to avoid the situation in the first place. We have our school's trainings, uh, our kids, that they are accidents of chance, are nothing more than evolved animals and should adjust their moral compass based on the situation. There is no absolute right or wrong and teach people can be right in their own eyes. Then our pontificating uh, professors of learning are amazed when students start putting Darwinian thinking in action. To wit, uh, law of the jungle, a uh, survival of the fittest, the dominating your environmental, your environment at all costs, uh, the skyrocketing categories of the 
uh, aforementioned crime and falling morally in a testament to removing the biblical standards that work quite well for American generations upon generations. Unfortunately, the result of removing the Bible and prayer are never addressed and the colossal failure of the more liberal morality standards is not even uh, in the conversation. All that is repeated is we are a modern society and those old fashioned methods in the Bible are just not workable in our progressive era. Was it Albert Einstein who said, doing the same thing and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity? Stupid is as stupid does. So as you can see, when God and prayer was taken out of schools, then you found the law of the jungle. You found the beast coming to be. We're not evolving, guys, we're devolving. After Romans one, I'm gonna read something else to you guys that you guys might enjoy, okay? Because this is gonna put to bed the whole evolution thing and it's gonna be speaking of technology. So you guys don't wanna miss that one either. But you know, it's important that we understand this concept. Were we a better nation when we had God or are we a better nation now? We can believe and say what we want with our own eyes and our own mouths, but the proof is in the pudding. All you've got to do is look around and see it. All right, so this is Romans 1. Let's begin in verse 17. Thank you, Jesus. All right, it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. So where does it begin? In unrighteous men who try and keep the truth to make everybody else unrighteous. They hold the truth from you. These people know that there's a God. The people that sit on the top know this, but professors will tell you, oh no, we can just tell by Piltdown Man or Nebraska Man or all these other things that are lies. Nebraska Man was just the tooth of a pig. <laughs> it's just so funny how these people lie and they come up with their own ideas because they refuse to accept the truth which is in Christ. So look at verse 19, he says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So when people want to propagate the lie of evolution, all men have to do is look around. The Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. He created the stars within the firmament. He created a greater light, which is the sun, and a lesser light to rule the night, which is the moon. He created the stars. He created the trees. He created the animals. And it's, it's well known among scientists that trees produce, they take in carbon dioxide and they produce oxygen for who? For man. Sounds like a word, sounds like a, a perfect design to me. God was taking care of man and giving man everything that he needed. If you want to believe that we get 12 parts day, 12 parts night, 1,440 minutes in a day, 
and you want to believe that all this came by chance, hey, suit yourself. But all I can say is if you've got, um, you know, let's just say you walk down the street and you got change scattered all over. You got nickels, dimes, quarters all over the place. You can say that someone dropped those coins. Okay, you can assume no, no one's around. Someone must have dropped this or threw it and just scattered it everywhere. But if you find quarters in their right place, nickels, dimes, and pennies, everything stacked perfectly within their place, then you would have to assume someone put them there. You couldn't look at that and say, all those quarters fell in the line of quarters and just stayed there. All those dimes and things were blowing around in the wind and they landed in their right place. You can only get order from he who orders order, who puts things in order. You can only have math in, in um, creation, okay, if there's a mathematician. We have a creator and we need to know who he is because modern science, psychology, and all this other stuff, medical and all that, that doesn't solve the problem of man. The problem with man is sin, and that needs to be taken from the midst of him that he can be born again, regenerated, and know God. So God's making clear here, these people are without excuse. These people can see that everything is in order, and all you got to do is read Genesis 1 and look up, and you see right there, God says everything that is. Okay, you can observe with your eyes. You don't need a telescope to figure this out, although one would help if you're looking at the stars. But everything that God says is. But you get these lion scientists, oh, there's billions of galaxies, and you know that the Earth is this small, but all the other planets are this big. And who do they name those planets after? They're false pagan gods. Man is a beast without God. Look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So you see what happened to man? This is the devolving process. First, they hide the truth in unrighteousness. And then the next thing that they do is, even when they know God is real, they don't glorify him as God and nor are they thankful for what God gave. But they, what does it say? They became foolish. I mean, yeah, but they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts became dark. Then it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. So as you can see, that's what Satan attempted to do with Adam and Eve. He changed the glory of God made to an image like the corruptible men. He told Adam and Eve that they would be as gods, that they would decide or they would know or they would determine what is good and what is evil. And we've been living with that curse ever since, but we don't have to anymore. We've got a real Lord and Savior that wants to fill you with his spirit, clean all sin away from you, build you up in the righteousness of God that you can glorify God. You can be born again, just as if you'd never sinned. Praise ye the Lord. Verse 24 says, wherefore, because they did all this stuff, tried to change the glory of an uncorruptible God, 
He says, wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So if God can't stop you and you wanna blank God from your memory and you don't wanna serve God and become lawless, the next thing that comes upon man is uncleanness. You see how we're devolving? We're going right down to uncleanness. And what will you begin to do? Dishonor your own body between yourself. You'll go out there, fornicate, commit adultery, you know, do all sorts of unrighteousness, curse in the world, do drugs. You dishonor your body. You know, you start using your body for the nature of the beast and not the nature of God. Why? Because you don't feel you've got a God to answer to. That's one of the dangers in evolution is that it keeps us from the truth and knowing that God wants us to be holy for he is holy. Look at verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. So they changed the truth of our God into a lie. And then they tried to get us to worship and serve the creature, which is man, or the nature of the beast, okay? And then it says, um, and not the creator, or more than the creator, which is God, who is blessed forever, amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. So they went from hiding the truth unto uncleanness. Now they're in the place of vile affections. Man is progressively getting worse, and he's devolving. Let's see what's on this level. And then it says, for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. What's vile? This is G819. Let's look at this, guys. Dishonor, ignominy, like you're ignorant, and it's a disgrace, okay? So that's the um, disgraceful um, affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. So women took the natural use of that which they were and turned against that. So they stopped using the things that God gave them naturally, where a woman could have natural sex with her husband, where a woman could be with a man naturally. She can bear children naturally. They took all that away and it became a vile affection. And it says, even the women, so this has become so corrupt that you know that women are naturally cleaner than men. Men have somewhat of a, you know, manly, rough kind of nature. And a woman has more of a comforting, clean nature. But he's saying even the women change the, the, um, the natural use of that is against nature. And then it says in verse 27, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was me. What are we talking about here? Homosexuality. Okay, he's talking about that on this level of vile affections that the men left the natural use of the woman and burned in their own lust towards other men. And then he says, men with men working that which is unseemly, guys. I don't wanna be vulgar or graphic, 
But there are some things going in certain places that shouldn't be. What's happening to man and his nature? What's happening to the mind of men? They are becoming warped and more beast-like that a man can actually believe that sodomy is okay. If I were to do that to another person and the police came, I would get charged with sodomy. Now these things are considered okay in society. We're becoming beasts like us. Anyway, and he says, um, so uh, they were working what is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense. They are getting their payment of their error, which was me. They don't tell you that the majority of homosexual relationships come out of children that have been molested and abused, okay? And then their life expectancy is around 39 years. They don't tell you that, man, how disease-ridden and volatile those relationships are. Look at verse 28. This is the final stage. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So we know about this. When you and I were in the world and we were out there living and having our fill of the world, didn't you notice how your affections became more and more vile? How at one point girls didn't even want to kiss little boys because they thought their boys had cooties. Then all of a sudden, you know, you start getting in the world, making out a man's feeling on your body, you're feeling on the man, okay? Then you have sex, you know, without marriage, you know, and all these things go on. And then the devil tends to warp your mind and you become more and more perverse, more beast-like. You start to do oral and anal copulation and all this other filth, but this is what happens to us. So it says that even now that this last group did not like to retain God in their knowledge, I don't want to hear of God. I want God and pray out of schools. I want to take everyone away from God's goodness. I don't want to hear about God. I want to live my life. It says God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So you see, it takes a lot to become reprobate. What is reprobate? It means disqualified, unqualified, cannot qualify. You've got the nature of the beast and God is going to lead you to it if you won't hear his gospel and repent of your ways and come to the truth. God will leave you in that beast nature. He gave you up to uncleanness. He gave you up to vile affections. But the final stage is he gives you over to a reprobate mind. He doesn't even want you. So it even tells you here that homosexuality is one of the final stages of reprobation because God's world is right side up, homosexual world upside down and around and backwards. So you see, that's one of the problems is your mindset is so different. But I've led many homosexuals to Christ. You can repent and get right with Christ. You do not have to stay as you are. But if you refuse to hear God, and you continue in your wickedness, then your nature will become rotten to the core. And this is the degradation of man. This is where man went from a perfect good copy unto denying God, not wanting to hear from God, from uncleanness un, un, um, um, and unnatural affection and vile affections unto a reprobate mind. And it ain't just homosexuals, guys. Look at verse 29. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, that's greed, maliciousness, viciousness, you know, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That's how a person can make an atomic bomb and want to go to war and destroy nations because they're inventors of evil things. They're reprobate. To even think to make something like that shows that you really are a beast. Disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, without control and unmerciful. That's what you see in man today. Man is so beast-like, he doesn't want to hear from anybody. He only cares for self. He doesn't want to marry. He doesn't want to love his neighbor. He has no love for God. And this is what we have today. This is what the world is becoming. Whom knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So these people have pleasure in unrighteousness because of the fact that they won't yield to God. We're not evolving, folks. We're devolving. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read another article to you guys. You guys wait there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, this is called Welcome to the Devolution. The high-tech world is making us weak and weird. You guys listen to this. Yeah. Hey, Dawn. Oh, praise the Lord. My sister Dawn's on. But anyway, it says, uh, welcome to the devolution. The high-tech world is making us weak and weird. It says, our bodies weren't meant for all this world uh, we've built. That's why your back hurts. The things you think are normal are not. The world around you is an alien landscape, a science fiction movie set. This is not the Matrix. This is our everyday modern life. But if, you're, but if you'll take a step back with me, you might find that there is hardly anything ordinary about the world we've built. The very builtness of our world is precisely what makes it so foreign to our bodies. In some ways, the banal um, conveniences we seek out and enjoy are actually killing us by a thousand tiny cuts over decades and decades. Of course, a thousand cuts over the course of a lifetime is a much better way to go than to say one big wound from a saber-toothed tiger taking a bite out of your head or finding yourself exposing with no shelter on a freezing tundra. We have eliminated some of the worst things that humans have experienced. For most of our history on this planet, that's quite the accomplishment, but we've traded these dangers for the perils of inactivity, heart disease, type two diabetes, some forms of cancer, back pain, joint pain, and possibly a smorgasbord of uh, mental health issues. Consider the kitchen counter as you rinse your hands, blend your smoothie, and grate your cheese. 
Everything is within arm's reach. At most, you'll take a few steps to the fridge, bending or squatting for a few seconds to put the bologna back in the crisper. Uh, you fool, bologna doesn't go in the crisper. Uh, contrast that with uh, activities of daily life uh, in, say, rural Uganda or in um, uh, Pajul, I guess, or Pahul, uh, a small town where I spent a couple of summers. I was typical, well, it was typical for mostly women to get up before dawn to work in their fields of planting, weeding, or harvesting. They carry water for the day's chores and gather wood for to cook fire. The tasks of daily living were primarily uh, performed on the ground, laundry, dishwashing, cooking dinner, or boiling water for tea, children, adults, and the elderly move throughout the day, squatting, carrying, walking, reaching, and bending at the hips. It says, these folks face plenty of hardships, but one thing they do not lack is movement. Those of us lucky enough to live in richer countries have managed to build and engineer movement out of our environment that may make us comfortable in the short term. But this has serious consequences for our bodies. I asked Daniel Lieberman, an evolutionary biologist at Harvard University and author of the book, The Story of the Human Body, Evolution, Health and Disease, about what, about what our modern built environment is doing to us. We have to evaluate those costs and benefits, Lieberman said. So much of the world that we take for granted, the world around us and think is normal, it isn't normal. That doesn't mean it's bad, but it's not normal from an evolutionary perspective. Now, you know, I don't care anything about evolution because it's not true. This person is believing in, um, hey, Rock T, but the thing is, is that, you know, um, what I'm talking about is the very fact that technology breaks us down. This article is longer than I thought, so I don't have a lot of time to get into it, but let's just think of the fact how people can have back or leg issues, and what do people usually do? They'll, they'll give you or prescribe you a walker or a wheelchair, and you see those people, they just blow up like balloons, you know, and they really get unhealthy because they're not exercising their muscles. I'm not talking about for people who can't walk and all these things, but a lot of what we eat, a lot of the chores that we no longer do, it is breaking us down. You know, going to the gym wasn't necessary at one point. And I remember obesity was a very small thing when I was growing up. We would always have that heavy set kid, heavy set kid in the glasses that would run and play with us, but he could keep up with us. But now you've got four out of five people in this country obese. And, and this has a lot to do with the so-called speed and convenience and the lack of being of moving around and doing what, what you know you should be doing. Here's another example of this. Sitting in front of the TV all day. Another example is when you've got a cell phone and you got everything on your phone. So much so that we don't even exercise our minds anymore to remember phone numbers like we used to. What do we do today? Today, all we do is, you know, we um, we look at the name and we push on it. 
But you see how we don't even have memories anymore. We don't have to remember what we learned in education and practice these things. What we have now is a machine that can think for you. So if your machine is doing the thinking, guess who's not? That's something to think about. But guys, in your spare time, look up this article, okay? Or well, I can try and post it, but it's called Welcome to the Devolution. The high-tech world is making us weak and weird. There's a lot that goes into it that you can see that is not of God's creation and the things that God wants, okay? So I want to move on because I got to get going and get some things done. I want to go from here to... Um, Let's go to Philippians chapter three. I want to go to Philippians three. We'll see, guys, we're not evolving. We're devolving. You stay with Christ. That's when you start going in the right direction. Oh, man. Okay. Rock T says, I am a 45-year-old diesel mechanic. Uh, what does he say? Compared to my peers, I am fit with no health problems. Office workers my age appear older and less agile. I believe you, bro. That's absolutely true. So let's look at Philippians 3. This is Paul addressing the Philippian church. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, uh, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So you see how Paul in the second stage of his life of being born again, Paul is not even concerned about his past life. What Paul is concerned about and focused on is the very fact that he has found Christ. And because he has spirit to spirit with God, he puts no more confidence in the flesh. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Paul says he was circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted laws for Christ. So everything that Paul could have had in the Lord, he cut off that he might win Christ. This is what happens when you're in the negative integers, you find Christ and the Holy Spirit starts to reset you to zero so that you can live in the positives. Who would be concerned about the negative when you're going on to the positive? This is a dying, corrupting body and we better get on this lifeboat, which is Christ, that we can go on to eternity. Verse eight says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. So you think Paul's looking in his rearview mirror? All Paul is focused on is going forward with Christ. All the things that he's learned in his life, he counts those things as dumb that he might have Jesus. Look at verse nine, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, 
which is of the law. You see how a lot of people are uh, hiding in their own righteousness today? Paul says he wants nothing to do with that. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count it not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So what is Paul reaching after? The future, where is he going? From death unto life, unto eternity, not looking back. We are corrupting, we are going to die. There is no way around that. We are going to meet Jesus Christ one day and we better be saved so that we can move forward with him. He says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of an high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul was a murderer of Christians, an unbeliever that thought he knew God, but now he's pressing towards the mark that he may have the prize, which is what? An high calling. So Paul knew he was devolving, and now that he's going after this high calling, he's going forward to being holy with Christ. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So in our process of growth, going from devolving unto going back to be in the image of God, he says that if there's anything that is still yielding you to be that image of God, the Holy Ghost will remind us, excuse me, and um, you know, reveal these things so that we can drop them and continue on with Christ. Look at verse 16. He says, nevertheless, we're to, we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So as Paul walked, as Jesus walked, as all the Christians walked that follow Christ, we are to walk. These guys are an example of how you and I are to live. That's why Jesus came the way he did. He wanted you and I to see holiness firsthand and see what it's like to be full of the spirit and to be connected to God as the creator, as the, uh, the image of God. Verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So remember, he talked about the woman seed and the serpent seed that would be at war. Paul is telling you that there are those who are the enemy of the cross. What is the cross to you and I? The cross is that zero that God put on the number line that as we go up through the negatives, we get on that cross, we die out to self, we forsake self, we get full of Christ, and we begin the second phase of our lives and truly being born again and leaving the devolution or the devolving Adam 
outside of this. Okay, so he says, look at how he describes these people, the devolving, the animal, the beast, whose end is destruction. Why? Because they know not God, whose God is their belly. They act on impulse, instinct. They're lawless. And then it says, whose glory is in their shame because they forsake God and they live the way of the beast who mind earthly things. So those who are focused on earthly things can't pay attention to spiritual things because they're too busy looking down. They've got a nature too lowly and dirty and nasty that they won't be able to go upward unto eternity unless they repent, give their lives to Christ, get full of the spirit, then they can do what God tells them to do. For our conversation, our lifestyle is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall charge, who shall change, sorry, our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So can you see how Jesus has the glorified body and that he wants to give you and I that so that we can forsake the vile body? And then he says, who he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. So how did we begin? God told Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and do what? Subdue it. So what Christ intends to do is bring us back to the image of being the glory and likeness of God that God's will can be done in us. Praise ye the Lord. Second Timothy chapter uh, three. Let me just run through that real quick. I got two more scriptures, guys, and then I'm gonna close. But that whole abortion thing, you know, if you're an animal, that's the way you kill your kids. Only an animal can wait for a child to be nine months. Only an animal can kill a baby as an embryo. But you see, that's a spirit of murder. That's how people live. If it's inconvenient in me, forget about the children. Now, why is this happening, Paul? He's going to tell us. Look at 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Why, Paul? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents unthankful and unholy, without natural affection. So they have a beast affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Look at the world we're in. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So he's making it clear that in the last days, perilous times will come, and this is what people will be. People will be beast-like in nature. We had a snowstorm out here in Oregon, and they lied and told us it was gonna be more snow than it actually was. I think it was a PSYOPs operation, but you know, in the end of it, people, man, consumed everything at the supermarket, didn't leave one thing up there, never concerned about anybody else and just took off because you see, this is the law of the jungle. Might is right in their eyes. So let's look down to verse 12. 
And he says, yea, and all that will live godly will suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being um, deceived. But continue thou in, in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. So you see how we continue to grow with Christ as we know God's word and we live according to it. We develop the mind of Christ and we start to live in the ways of God through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given. Now, why do we have the scriptures? Look at what the word of God is for. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So this is our source of life, having God's word, having his spirit and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is what the devil wants to take away from you and I so that we can have his nature and his image. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished with all good works. So you see, God's word wants us wants to furnish us unto every good work that we can glorify God. Let's go to Jude chapter one. Well, there's only one chapter in Jude, but let's go to Jude. And let's read this, guys. In your spare time, um, I had some other scriptures up here we didn't get into. Remember Daniel four, when Nebuchadnezzar decided to see himself as greater than God? God had to take away the heart of a man and give him the heart of a beast because we are beasts without God. And Nebuchadnezzar lived that way for seven years as a beast, not even knowing God, you know? But when he repented and made clear that he recognized who God was, then God took the heart of a beast from him and gave him the heart of a man so that he could be what God wanted him to be. You see, and that's what we have. We have a beast heart that God has to take from us that we begin to have the heart of a man that we can serve Christ. All right, so this is Jude chapter one, well, Jude one, and it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Uh, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So the saints received at this time the law freely. They received God's word. But as you can see today, we've got to contend for the faith. He says that we should earnestly contend for the faith that we may, you know, uphold righteousness and holiness. When they took God and pray out of schools, we should have been fighting like mad dogs to get that back. Because you saw what the statistics were. Men became beasts when there is no God. Look at verse four. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, that is like lusting after that which is filthy or not righteous, and, and denying the only Lord God 
and our Lord Jesus Christ. So as you can see, there are people out there that are crept in unawares that are only meant to take away the godliness from you or change the image of God into that of a beast. We gotta beware of them. Verse five, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So as you can see, guys, God is no respecter of persons. If he judged the angels and these unrighteous men and he destroyed all this stuff, God wants us to be holy because if we want to be judged like beasts, that's what we will become. So anyway, it says in verse seven, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities um, about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering and vengeance of eternal fire. So these people went after strange flesh. They went after things that were not righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. What were they doing? Homosexual activity. And then it says, likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, they hate God's government, and speak evil of dignities. They hate the word of God. Why? Because they are beasts when they don't want God. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. So even, the, even Michael the archangel called on the authority of the Lord to deal with the devil, okay? Because everything is righteous in God's kingdom and it's in God's divine order. See, even Michael the archangel didn't despise, God, despise God's government because if he did, he would have been pushed out too with the rest of them. So anyway, he says, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. So he calls these people natural brute beasts. He says that they, um, you know, they um, speak evil against the things that they don't even understand. Like brute beasts. Brute beasts don't speak your language. Brute beasts live on instinct. They don't know clean from unclean. They're beasts. And he says, in those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam uh, for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Now, Balaam, you know, was trying to tell Balak how to dominate the children of Israel. What did he introduce them to? Moabite women tried to put a curse on the children of Israel. And Cain killed his own brother because he didn't want to serve God. So you see, that's the way of Cain. That's the nature of Cain. Cain had the nature of the beast. And that's why Cain was later marked with that image upon his head and forsaken of God because he was a beast. He didn't want to serve God. And the gainsaying of Kor, number 16, they didn't see the goodness of Moses. They spoke against Moses. They hated the things that Moses was doing and they tried to fight against him. And what happened? The earth opened 
and swallowed them up and they went right into hell. Look at verse 12. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds, they are without water. They got no Holy Ghost. Carried about of winds, of, of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So look at how he names these beasts that refuse to serve God. He says they are feast, they are spots in your feast of charity. While everybody's giving love, they're self-serving. Then he says, feeding themselves without fear. Remember, the Bible tells us the fear of the Lord. Bring, um, you know, is the beginning of all wisdom and understanding. So if they don't fear God, they're lawless. Then it says, clouds, they are without water. What is water? A type of Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that if we believe on Jesus Christ, then out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. So they don't have the spirit. Then it says, carried about of winds. That means they're not grounded in Christ. They're lawless. They're all over the place. Then he says, trees whose fruit withereth. Jesus says, every tree that my father has that refuses to be governed by God will wither away. Every tree that bringeth forth not fruit is cast down or is withered and cast into the fire. They are people that will never reach their full productivity in becoming wheat and not tares and becoming fruitful and not barren. Why? Because they want the nature of the beast. They don't want to glorify God. And then it says without fruit twice, okay, without fruit. And then it says twice dead. What do they mean? Not only are they the walking dead now without Christ and beast until they die, but the Bible tells us also about the second death, which is the lake of fire. So they're twice dead in this life and in the one to come unless they repent. And then it says they're plucked up by the roots, not even grounded, not even bearing fruit. They are absent from the nature of God and his righteousness. And then it says raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So these are people, if they don't get it right, they're going to hell. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all of, upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So as you can see, lawless people will speak against God. They'll go against God. But you see, if you give your life to Christ, he can reformat your mind, change your genetic nature, that you will have the nature of Christ and truly be born again. But look at these people. These people don't want to be born again. Look at 16. They are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers 
in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Then he says, these be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. So when you're in the sensual realm, when you're a lover of pleasures more than lovers of God, that sensual realm will lead you. If you guys read James 3, 13 and 14, it says that that wisdom, when you think that way, that what your eyes see and what your ears hear and what you feel and taste and touch, if all these things are leading you and guiding you, then the next stage is you're going right to demonic. It says that these people, that wisdom don't come from God. It is sensual. <clears throat> no, he says it's earthly, then sensual. And then lastly, it becomes devilish. Okay, so you see, that's the way that it goes when man is led by his own belly, when man is led by his own lust. He becomes earthly, then sensual, and then devilish. It says in verse 19 that these or they who separate themselves sensual, not spiritual, they're natural, they're soulish, okay? If it feels good, then do it. So they separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. Then it says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So God is able to keep us from falling, Jesus Christ, and to make it unto the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to live below our sins. We don't have to be beasts. We can overcome all things in Christ and grow. Last scripture of the night I'm going to, guys, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I will close from there. 1 Corinthians 6, and we're going to begin at verse 9, and then we can close. Praise ye the Lord. All right. Anything said tonight? I really appreciate that. I felt the same about you guys, uh, too. Always keeping you guys in prayer. Uh, Sarah says, thank you, my sister. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure that um, nothing else was said. But if anybody has any questions about tonight's teaching, please put them in the box. And I can, you know, if I have the answer, I'll give it to you. If I don't, then I won't. But, you know, I just think it's good that we get together, that we gain some understanding. If you understand it just fine, praise the Lord, because there's a lot of people that can't hear this. So this is 1 Corinthians 6. Let's look at verse 9. Look at what Paul tells the Corinthians. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. So don't be deceived, guys. He says, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Look up the word effeminate, it's G3120. And it says soft, soft to the touch, metaphorically in a bad sense, effeminate, of a catamite, 
of a boy kept for homosexual relations with a man. So this is what you would call pedophilia, okay, and homosexuality. Look at verse three, of a male who submits his body to unnatural lewdness of a male prostitute. That Greek word is malikos. The next one he talks about here is, he says, um, abusers of themselves with mankind. That's G733. And it says, one who lies with a male as with a female, a sodomite, a homosexual. So you see, if you believe that you're gonna make it into the kingdom of God outside of following Jesus Christ, then you're gonna have what the beast has. In Revelation 22, the Lord talks about that, you know, all those who will be with Christ will be in his light, will be living the life of Christ and doing well and glorified bodies and praising God and looking at the beautiful city of heaven that God has for us. But he says, but without, on the outside will be the beast and the dogs and the idolaters and the fornicators and all those people that will be burning in eternity forever and being able to see you and see the kingdom and know that God wasn't lying, but you won't be able to see them because we'll be in that place of comfort and truly be in heaven. So he says in verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So you see how they were devolved, they were degraded. And then he says, we all used to be, such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So God justifies us, he purifies us, and he brings us from death unto life. But the devil wants to take you from life, <clears throat> must be getting to the good part, but he wants to take you from life unto death, okay? He wants to devolve, he wants to destroy you, but Jesus wants us after his image. And then he says in verse 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So as you can see, we were made in the image of God to be full of Christ, to glorify Christ and not to be fornicators. Fornication is the Greek word pornia, and it's pretty much anything of pornography, adultery, fornication, bestiality, homosexuality, pedophilia, or whatever it is. The, all types of illicit sexual activity is fornication. So our bodies are not for that, it's to glorify God. And then it says in verse 14, and God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. This is what Adam and Eve did. They took the members of Christ because Jesus made all things and they gave them over to, the, to an harlot, which is the devil. They, they had partaken of the devil's nature. And he says, God forbid. Verse 16, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. 
but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So if we're joined unto God, then we will eventually take up the nature of Christ, we will have the mind of Christ, and we will glorify and serve Jesus Christ. That's where we are to be, not to be devolved. But anyway, he says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So we do not belong to ourselves, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So as you can see, God brings us to a higher state and the devil wants us to be in a lowly beast-like state. And you see everybody that's not born again and serving Christ, they're being brought down to this level, but God wants to elevate his people to the place of having him and being his sons and his daughters that will glorify our God. So I just wanna say to people out there, if you know you're not saved and no one knows this more than you, then you can repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways. You can reset that integer, that number line and the negatives, and you can reset it back to zero by believing in Jesus Christ, being a partaker of Jesus Christ, getting into his word, being washed clean in his shed blood. All you've got to do is call out to the Lord, confess that you're a sinner, accept his free gift of salvation, and turn from your sins. Forsake the things that are against God, get them out of your life that you may have Jesus Christ and God will give you his spirit that you can be empowered to live the life of Christ and be washed clean. Believe in his death, burial and resurrection that he died for your sins and you can have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior. And I just wanna say to people out there that I love you, give your life to Christ today. Don't be a beast. Be the man, be the man that is in the image and likeness of Christ that you may have him. So I'm gonna pray real quick and then we are going to close out. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to change us into your image. We pray for your spirit. We thank you for the listeners. We pray that people may turn from their sins and get right with you, Lord. For there is no time like the present to know where we are, to know when we're not saved, and to accept the antidote that we may not be dying, but may be growing in life unto eternity with Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you open those eyes and those ears and those hearts, that people will receive it, that they may discover you, that they may believe in your words, Lord, for they are true. For you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord, and there is no man that cometh unto God aside from you. So I pray with all the hearers that you bless them, that you build them up, that you give them the strength in your spirit to live righteous lives, that they turn from wickedness and that they may receive you as Lord in Christ. We pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I just want to say I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. You know, um, give your life to Christ and do the things that God wants you to do because we have one creator that wants us to be men 
and made in the image and likeness of God and not beast. So until next time, tomorrow night, we're gonna do a teaching at uh, 7.30 Pacific time, 10.30 um, Eastern time. And it's going to be called, You Must Be As A Child. So hopefully you guys will tune in with us. And I just wanna say, I love you all. Minister Derek Hallett, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. And until next time, have a good night.